I grew up in church. My parents took me to church. I learned about Jesus. I even taught Sunday school. And I was later in life when I learned you had to receive Jesus in your heart. And I've always been very shy and I've never, I would never walk up and talk to anybody and ask them a question or do anything. I would just walk by. But when Jesus came to my life, I'm sorry, but my life has never been the same. And I thought, if I was 26 or seven and other people had grown up in church and didn't know it, there are a lot of people that don't know it. So I guess God just put me on a mission to tell people because I don't want people to be lost. It brings me the greatest joy. You couldn't give me anything that would make me happier than when I lead someone to the Lord. It's like things get old, but then you remember leading someone to the Lord and the joy just comes back. It's like, yes, they received Jesus. They're not going to hell. They're moving on, and then when I can get them in church or at least talk to them on the phone and help them to grow, that's better, you know? It doesn't always happen that way, but just handing out the brochures and saying, like Jay does, read this, it could change your life. And it does change a lot of lives. All we have to do is be ready. And if you think about what you love, then you're gonna do it. But I can remember just last week or week before, Scott and I were rushing around, coming out of a store, and I paused, and I said, I gotta go back. So I went back in, and the girl that was checking you, uh, like seeing if you were okay, temperature-wise, I shared Jesus with her. And I would've felt really bad if I hadn't gone back in. I try to find someone every day. It's a fulfilling thing for me just to tell people the good news. We're so thankful for Debbie and Scott. You see in her face and in her tears her desire for people to just know Jesus. And she just goes around wanting the lost to be found. And so this morning, as we as we talk about something that I know at times can put us on a little bit of an edge to talk about personal evangelism. There's something in us that begins to get a little fearful or afraid, and you heard from Debbie's voice that uh, she's a shy and can sometimes be quiet and reserved, but there's something in her that desperately wants people to just know Jesus. And so this morning, if you came here this morning and you're just saying, oh man, it's, a, it's evangelism talk and you just want to shut everything off and just say, I'm going to get through this and we'll, we'll walk out of here and we'll just kind of forget this is going on. But this is an incredibly important topic for us to dissect and to let change us. I can honestly say that growing up, that this is this subject of gospel proclamation and gospel telling and being a personal evangelist is almost the reason uh, that I did not go into ministry. It's almost a thing that kept me away from it because I am, by nature, incredibly shy, uh, very much uh, reserved, 
It takes a lot for me to go out and talk to people and especially stand behind a pulpit and proclaim it, but also talk to somebody face-to-face and personally. Um, And so when the Lord called me to ministry, I ran as far from it as I could because it's just not something I enjoy. Something I did enjoy was something that uh, really changed my life as a young kid, and it, it looks a lot like this. It's an iPod. Remember these things? And so it went from this moment of having about 10 songs that you would carry with you on a CD to all of a sudden, a 1,000 songs that you could fit in your pocket. Do you all remember that day? It was incredible. You could go and you could download a 1,000 songs very legally onto this iPod and get to enjoy all these wonderful songs. And you go back and just reload a 1,000 more. I mean, this thing was a game changer for me and so many other people. I, mean, I loved this thing, and I'd already had a love of electronics, and so I believed that the Lord maybe was just calling me to sit in a basement somewhere behind a computer and just write, and I'd never have to talk to anybody. It was perfect. I could sit and plug in headphones and just type all day and never have to get behind a computer, and I just felt like this is where the Lord was calling me to. And so as I began to realize and recognize that over my life in high school and all that, I had experienced evangelism. See, guys would come on the basketball team, and they would, they would have these CD players, and they're like, guys, come on, hey, you need to get an iPod. You can listen to a, a thousand songs in your pocket. You see how pumped up I am for the games? You don't have to keep changing your CDs. You can keep listening. This is awesome. Y'all need to get you an iPod. Right? I begin to just talk about my love and appreciation for Apple gadgets and technology, about how it can improve your life and change your life and how you need to get these things. They'll change your life. And I realized all of a sudden I was an evangelist. I was an Apple evangelist. I didn't mind telling people about how they should get these technology devices and how they could change your life. I didn't mind walking up to people and and answering questions about how technology could change their life. I was an evangelist of all the things that were fading away and not eternal. See, this thing is absolute garbage now. It doesn't turn on. It doesn't do anything. It's just a brick. It's a great paperweight. But I spent so much energy trying to convince people that this was the future. This is what they needed to get to. This is what they needed in their life to make them better. I was an Apple evangelist. And so what the Lord has been trying to do in my heart over these years has turned me into an evangelist who's on fire for not just earthly things that are passing, but for an eternal thing that is incredibly good news. So I want to say, if you're here this morning and you just feel the, the weight of fear or anxiety of talking about personal evangelism as something you wish you would have stayed home for today, hear me out. Because I can tell you that there is no place in my life where I feel the Holy Spirit's leadership more than when I am sharing the gospel. No place. There's no other place that when I am personally sharing the gospel with other people, both from the pulpit and personally and individually, do I feel the Holy Spirit's leadership in my life to quench the fears that I have, the knees that are shaking and knocking. I'm very appreciative of this pulpit being so wide so you don't see my knees shaking at times, right? So there's... There's appreciation for the Holy Spirit, just leadership as we go out and do the things that are at times uncomfortable for us, which at times can be evangelism. So I want you to just hold on, uh, bear with us. And as you take these notes, which everything's already filled in, um, so if you have a problem with not having anything to fill in, just scratch some random words out and you can fill them in at the above, okay? So our problem is your, your answer this morning. So let's, let's start with Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. A very familiar passage of scripture, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, but let's talk about these core principles in reaching our one, reaching the person that God has called us to, the person that we feel like the Lord is calling us to share and show and tell the good news of the gospel with. So let's, let's just dive in here and see what principles and concepts that we can learn as we attempt and try and strive to reach our one for Jesus. 
So let's read Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he arose and he went. And there is an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask, does this prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Just lead us and guide us this morning. We want our hearts to be open wide to whatever you're leading us to this morning. Lord, we don't want to learn more information. We always want it to change us as we leave this place, as we turn off our TVs and go into the world around us. Lord, we love you. Be with us now. In your name we pray. Amen. The first thing you see on your outline is reaching your one. This emphasis, this, this uh, uh, next few months will be on your one. Who is the one person the Lord is calling you to reach in your area of influence, in your spheres of contact, either a waitress or a waiter that you uh, go to a restaurant and frequent or a coworker or a family member? Who is the one person the Lord is calling you to reach? But see, it's going to begin in prayer. Uh, over the coming weeks, we'll have this one in the foyer, and we'll ask you to drop a ping pong ball with your one's name on it in there. But it's important that before we do that, this process always begins and is bathed in prayer. Just like we talked about in the previous weeks, that before we make decisions, what do we do? We pray. We don't ask the Lord to post-bless our decisions. We ask the Lord before we make the decisions, Lord, would you, would you lead me? Would you guide me in your way? And we're asking the Lord's leadership in our life. So we are praying first. Before we crack open our Bibles, what do we do? We pray and say, Lord, I need, your, I need your help this morning to open your word, to understand it, to dissect it. Lord, would you open my heart to receive it? And so before we begin the conversation of who your one is, it first must be bathed in prayer. Look at Philip, an Ethiopian eunuch here in verse 26, an angel of the Lord said to Philip. And then again, it says that the, uh, the spirit of the Lord said to Philip, go and join this chariot. That Philip was greatly in tune with the spirit's leadership in his life to lead him on this pathway, to tell him where to go. Philip was in tune, listening intently to where the Lord would call him to go. And friends, if you and I are going to reach people for the kingdom, it's going to start in prayer. And so as we begin this week, first, I want to ask that you would pray that the Lord would identify the people that he is calling you to reach. Lord, who on my pathway of influence, who are you calling me to reach? Lord, who is, Lord, would you open my eyes to see them? 
And then we know that we simply cannot just save a person, that it requires the Lord saving the people. And so we ask, Lord, would you open their hearts? We're praying, Lord, would you do what only you can do? And so we are praying and petitioning the Lord to do what he can do and we cannot. Our calling is to share the gospel. God saves the people. And so the reason why this stays up here and why we have a week is so that we would have a week in intentional prayer about who will be on this little ping pong ball that we'll write their name on and drop in this one as a reminder and signifier and to hold us accountable to the fact that we are going after someone in their eternity. And so it's going to begin in prayer. I told you that I was uh, kind of a shy uh, guy. And when I went through college, my uh, first few years, uh, I had a, just a, a pretty good routine. Every day before class would start, I would get on my bike and I would ride my bike to class. I would take my iPod with me. I would plug in my headphones, get on my bike, and I would ride to, to class, put my bike on the little bike stand, lock it up, walk to class, headphones in tow, and I would get in class, sit down, wait for the professor to come up and start teaching, take the headphones off, start taking notes. When the professor would finish, put the headphones back on, get on the bike, and go home. That was life. I told you, I didn't really like talking to people, right? I was scared. I was introverted. Something happened over that course of college that I realized I am missing probably one of the largest opportunities for me to be a, a gospel witness. I knew the Lord and, and knew that I was uh, living disobediently by not uh, taking off the headphones, not getting out of my comfort zone. So I began to pray. Instead of uh, riding my bike to class, I began to leave my iPod at home and I began to walk. And I began to say, Lord, as I'm walking this way, would you just show me? Would you reveal people that need Jesus? Lord, would you give me eyes? Would you just would you help me? I'm nervous. Would you help me with my words? Would you help me ask the right questions? Would you just put people on my pathway? And I began to just pray for the people around me. And it was incredible how different that day looked. How many opportunities were all in front of me that I would have missed riding my bike, listening to the headphones. The Lord would give these incredible opportunities. One, one day in particular, I remember going up into the Student Activity Center and uh, having a Chick-fil-A sandwich and sitting there, and I was praying, Lord, would you just put somebody on my pathway today? And there came in a guy who had come from another country to learn at our university. He sat across, and he just said, hey, I'm here, and would it be okay if I sat with you? I would love to learn more about America. There it is. Do you know if I have headphones on, going back to my house, eating my Chick-fil-A at my house, you miss so many opportunities. But it was incredible. Friends, it's incredible as we pray for these things, as we ask the Lord, would you give me opportunities or would you open my heart with a deep love and appreciation for people who are lost and need Jesus? Would you open my eyes? Do you know what he does? This is going to be shocking. He does it. He does it. He puts people on our pathway. We see people differently as our hearts are transformed to see the gospel impact that we can have. And so, friends, this is going to begin in prayer. Secondly, reaching your one requires intentionality. If you're going to reach your one, it's going to require some sort of intentionality. As you see uh, in the scripture here, when the, when the Spirit of the Lord calls to Philip and says, rise to go to the south place from Jerusalem to Gaza, it says, this is a desert place. And then as Philip is called again by the Spirit to say, go over and join this chariot, what does Philip do? Does he get up and meander and walk around and try to figure out if it's the right spot? What does, your, what does your Bible say? What does he do? Philip ran. Philip ran to the chariot. He knew that that's where God was calling him to do, and so he ran. Now, let's get a little context here. Philip is in the middle of wonderful ministry being done. Wonderful ministry. People are coming to faith. Wonderful things are happening. And the Spirit of the Lord calls him to the desert. To the desert. 
While in the middle of wonderful ministry, Philip is called out of it to go to the desert where he doesn't know what's going to happen, doesn't know that there's a chariot coming through with an Ethiopian eunuch that needs to know the Lord. He's simply called out to go. And what does Philip do? He responds with intentionality. I've reading some reports about our New Year's resolutions. How, how are we doing? We're in the month of April. Everybody doing all right? All God's people said, nope. <laughs> so we're in the month of April. Uh, and many of our New Year's resolutions have uh, kind of fallen by the wayside. And researchers have said that most of our New Year's resolutions have kind of a couple problems. But one of them is this intentionality. We say things like, we want to be more healthy, right? Anybody? We want to be more healthy in this new year. And so we put these very broad terms like, we just want to be more healthy. But in reality, what does that look like for you? Well, it looks like maybe you need to go to the gym early, or maybe you wake up early and go to the gym, or maybe you're going to start eating healthily, and this is what it looks like, or here's a goal of how much weight you want to lose, or some cholesterol goals that you want to get down. There's intentionality and actual goals that you want to get to. And see, it's a good thing. You want to eat more healthy, and it's a good thing for us to say, I want to be more evangelistic in my life. I want to be a better gospel presenter to the people around me. I just want to show the gospel more but we have no intentionality. Who is God calling you to? And so in this moment, we're saying, who is the one? Who is the one person the Lord is putting on your pathway with intentionality? I'm gonna pray for this person. I'm gonna go to them and share the the needs with them. I'm just gonna be a gospel light around them and talk to them about my relationship with the Lord. Who is that one person? And I get you may say, well, Mark, it's it's just one, right? There's a lot of lost people all around me. Remember, kids would come up to you and say they just want one more cookie, and one more cookie is never enough, right? Never a good thing to just say one. But as you look across our church, uh, people who come into a 8.30 service and 11 o'clock, the people watching online, if we all devote ourselves with accountability to one another, saying we are going to go after, we're going to reach one more for Jesus. We're going to reach just one more for Jesus. Do you imagine the number of ping pong balls that will fill up this one, the amount of people that will hear the gospel and see the gospel in you? If we all collectively agree, we're going to go after the one. You know that there will not be a Sunday where our baptism waters are empty when we were reaching out after our one. Thousands across Montgomery would hear the gospel because of this church having their one. So I would encourage you with intentionality. What does it look like for you to lovingly share, show, tell and pray for your one. It's going to require intentionality. These things don't simply just happen. People don't just accidentally come to faith. People accidentally hear. It comes from hearing and people sharing and telling. So it's going to require intentionality from us. And then we reach our one to see Jesus save. Number three, to see Jesus save. In verse 35, you see this wonderful word that Philip opened his mouth and beginning with Scripture He told him the good news about Jesus. Such simplicity from Philip that uh, the Ethiopian eunuch has these questions. And what does Philip do? Beginning with scripture, he just talks about the good news of Jesus. That this is the point of what we're doing. This is the point of your one. We want to see people move from death to life. And so we share the gospel with them. We want to see Jesus save People. And you see in verse 39, when, when the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more, what did the eunuch do? He went on rejoicing because of the good news that had been in his heart, that he had changed from death to life. And so we are desiring people not to be good citizens of these here United States, not to be good moral people and just stop doing bad things. That, that's not our goal. Our goal is that lost people would be found in Jesus. 
Did you hear Debbie's words earlier? She just said, I just don't want people to be lost. I want them to know the hope that we have, the peace that we have in knowing Jesus. And that was her burden on her heart for people to know peace that comes from knowing Jesus. And so that's our goal in reaching our one is to see Jesus save. But let's also in this recognize our hindrances. For all you that enjoy filling in the blanks, here's your big opportunity to shine this morning. A fear of what? This is your opportunity here. A fear of what? There's a lot of things that could be on this blank here. There's fear of what? Rejection. At times we have fear of rejection in our hearts. Maybe the Lord is, maybe you're just worried about rejection. Maybe they'll reject you as the messenger. Maybe they'll reject the message. But there's a fear that keeps us on the sidelines of sharing our faith because of fear. Possible fear of just simply rejection. Maybe there's a fear of embarrassment. Maybe if you share the gospel with somebody, you're afraid that they'll talk bad about you, or a fear of just embarrassment that maybe you'll do it wrong and stumble over your words and you'll just be left there embarrassed. Maybe there's a fear of a failure. To say, I, I tried and they didn't come to faith, and so I, I failed or I, I botched that attempt to, to share the gospel with somebody, and so there's a fear just of failing. And so these fears keep us on the sidelines from sharing our faith, keep us with our mouth shut and not sharing the good news. Can I tell you that never in my life, not one time, have I ever regretted sharing the gospel with anybody. There's been times where I've done a bad job, I've done a poor job, I've, I've stumbled over my words, or I've not done a very good, clear presentation of the gospel. There's been times where people have been incredibly receptive and we had great conversations. There's been times where people have come to know the Lord, but I have never in my life ever regretted sharing the gospel with anyone. I have only regretted the times where I have not shared the gospel. I can tell you, friends, that as we go out and as we at times have fear, I can tell you, as we have our great commission, the Lord is with us as we go. And I can tell you over and over again, as we share the Holy Spirit, I promise you will be with you, will help you and lead you and guide you. And so as we step out of our comfort zones and as we share the gospel with people who are around us, I believe the Lord goes with us. And if you feel like I've not felt the Holy Holy Spirit's leadership in my life, have we stepped out of faith, out of our comfort zone in any way in which we would need the Holy Spirit's leadership in our life? And so at times we recognize our fear of whatever it may be that would keep us from sharing with our one, to keep us from sharing this good news message of the gospel. Secondly, we give up too soon. One of our hindrances is we simply give up on this gospel proclamation too soon. There's some people, maybe your boss, maybe a child who's gone wayward, maybe even a grandparent who just refuses to know the Lord, and we give up on those people. We say they're too far gone. They could never get to know the Lord, and so we, we don't put their name in the hat because we think they're just too far gone. I'm going to show you, but on the front cover of my Bible here, I've got five people, five people who do not know the Lord. They're essentially my ones, and I've had them in there for a very long time. Let's look over this list. Not one of these people have come to know the Lord yet. Does that mean at some point you just strike them off and say, well, I guess it's been a few years, and so they don't know the Lord, and so I'll just move on to other people? One of the things that we can do so wrong at times, friends, is we can just give up on people far too soon. 
Many of you know and you shared stories over time of people who you've been praying for for year after year after year after year after day after week after month. You've been praying for and praying for and praying for through tears in your eye and you come up and report that this person finally came to know Jesus. Just thank the Lord that he didn't give up on you and I when we were in rebellion. So friends, don't give up too soon. Don't give up too soon in your gospel telling, showing, and loving. Keep praying for people. Keep going after people. And don't assume that they are too far gone. And then lastly, just simply spiritual lethargy. At times, a simple reality that John 14, 6 reminds us that there is one way, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. At times, we can just become spiritually lethargic to the reality that people are dying apart from Jesus. And I pray that the Lord would give us just the, the burden in our souls for the lost who are around us, that they would give us a, some semblance of urgency to reach people with the gospel, that we wouldn't be so lethargic to just simply say, maybe later, maybe someday, that we would go in force to share. So the message of this church uh, the, the hope of this church is, you know it as well as I do, bring them in through evangelism, right? That we would go out and share the gospel, that we bring people in through evangelism, that we build them up through discipleship, and then we send them out. See, that, that send them out is not for other people going on the mission field somewhere in Africa. That's, sorry to say it, that's for you. That's for you today. That you are being built up to be sent out that there are people that only you can reach, people at your job sites that our ministry staff will never have a conversation with, but you will. People in your family who I'll maybe never have a conversation with, but you will. And so we bring them in through evangelism. We build everyone up and we send you out. In the, in the parking lots, you see those wonderful signs that say, now entering the mission field. Because you, as you leave here, you're entering into the greatest mission field the Lord has given you because it's your mission field. And so who is the one the Lord has put along your pathway that needs Jesus in their life? So let's go to this last part, responding to the call. Who is your one? This week, would you pray about who would go on this ping pong ball? This is our goal over the next few weeks and that as you leave here in the foyer, there will be a basket of ping pong balls and Sharpie markers. And I would ask you to prayerfully and intentionally consider who is your one? Who is the one person, or maybe it's two people. I mean, we're not going to get uh, technical on this thing. Who is the one or two people that you just desperately want to come to know Jesus? And next week when you come back, would you write their name on that little ping pong ball, and would you put it into this one? As a reminder that we are journeying together, that we all have people that we want to come to know salvation. In your Bible fellowship classes that we talk about, how did it go? Who are you praying for? How can we pray for you and with you? Have you had an opportunity? How did it go? How can we encourage you and help you? Because there will be those days that you will feel like giving up. And when you look at this one, you're reminded that we are collectively in this together to win lost people to Jesus. And so pray and consider who is your one. For those of you at home and watching on TV, know that we'd love for you to participate as well. There's an email address, you're1 at montgomeryfbc.org, or you can also send it to the number that will appear on the screen at the end of the service. If there's someone that you are praying for that you would like us to add to this one, this is an opportunity for us as a church to, to just prayerfully consider, Lord, what are, you, what are you calling me to? Who are the people that you have put along our pathway that just need Jesus? The good news is he does not leave us nor forsake us. He is with us always to the end of the age.
And so he will go before us, he will go with us, he will open hearts, and he will open our mouths if we allow him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this wonderful morning where we have celebrated the core truths of baptism, where you have taken taken all of us that have been and clung to this truth. You've plunged us beneath those waters as Charlie Jack was, signifying that all of our sins have been taken away as all of us go beneath the waters, that all of our sins have been taken away by your blood, that you have taken every sin away and that you have raised us up to walk in newness of life. And alongside that newness, Lord, you have given us peace and hope and assurance, blessed assurance, Lord, that you are ours because you have saved and redeemed us. So we make it our calling now as we exit out these doors and turn off our TVs to, to show, to tell, and to pray for. And Lord, we are praying that the lost would be found in you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his wonderful name we pray. Amen.